you stand with us, please? We come together to lift up the name of Jesus and just worship him. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in Oh! 
for your presence here today, Lord Jesus. We just invite the Holy Spirit in here to work in our lives, Lord, to change hearts. And let none of us leave here the same.
for your presence here today, Lord. We ask your blessing to be upon this service. Pray your anointing upon Pastor Larry as he brings your word. I pray every heart will be open to what the words you give him to say. Every heart be open. We thank you that your word is a double-edged sword. It penetrates to even dividing the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, Lord. That's what we want. That's what we want in our hearts today, God. Right now, I want to call um, Pastor Larry, um, Jimmy, uh, Hannah, and Patty to the front. We're going to have Pastor Rich pray over them for this mission, mission trip they're going on next week. just want to gather around them and pray the Lord's blessing. also need to pray, continue to pray for healing for Pastor Larry because his back is still giving him issues. sung that that heaven and earth became one 
Father, we know when that moment of time took place. It's when that blessed Lord Jesus entered his place as a child. And when he grew up and he showed us the love of the Father. And he showed us your love for the sons and daughters that you had created. Oh God, they were separated with the great divide. But Jesus is the great terror down of dividers. Father, in him we all become one. In him there is no Gentile, there is no Jew, there is no Dominic Republic, there is no United States, but in one we all stand as one in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you that my brothers do not travel alone. I thank that even now your presence of your spirit is in the Dominic Republic. God, I thank you that your presence is already there. They don't take you there, God. You're already there. But I pray that as they step into that place, they step into their place, into their calling at that moment, God, that the footsteps that they leave would be your footsteps, oh God, would be my prayer. Father, I pray that you come upon these men in a special way, that they would begin to pull back the veil that clouds the eyes of the young, that clouds the hearts. God, we are, we are your representatives, Jimmy and, and Pastor and these other children, God, that go forth and the other adults there. They are representatives of a greater kingdom. They are there to pull back the veil and to let these children gaze into the eyes of the Lord Jesus. Father, I see even now that your love is upon them, that your heart is toward them. You said, suffer and allow the little children to come unto me, for such is my kingdom. God, your heart's already planted in that place. Even now, your spirit is beginning to soften and to move on the hearts of the young, Father. I pray my brothers, special, special, uh, special enlightenment, special encouragement, special seeing, seeing, that they would simply show what is already there, that in the hearts and lives and the spirit of these men, God, these children might begin to get a glimpse of the Lord Jesus and to look into his face. God, that's a face they'll never forget. Father, be pleased. Be pleased, and we know you are, God, to just touch everyone involved. Father, now we commend them to the work and the word of your grace, which is able to build them up and to give them, as well as those children, an inheritance, which is great above all things in this earth, Father. I pray for Pastor Larry, especially, God, as he goes there with his... Uh, with his hurt that he's carrying right now, God, uh, his, his, his ailment right now, Lord Jesus, you've told us, you've told us my father, my father, my father loves to give good things to those that asked him. Lord, it's so simple. Jesus just staggered at our unbelief, God. I just, my father is just, just good to give you what you need. Pastor Larry, May our Father be pleased. May the Lord Jesus, that ministers, say, you know what? Let's do this thing together. We can do it. In my strength, you shall be strong. Paul said, you know what? He found out that my grace is sufficient. In my grace, you can turn a world upside down. Turn it upside down, Pastor Larry. Turn it upside down. Go down there. Be blessed of God. Jimmy, stand in the fear of the Almighty. Minister peace. Minister grace. Hannah, you guys. Minister Jesus, hallelujah, there you are, ministering the word, Lord, my word shall not return void, no it don't, it shall accomplish, there's going to be an accomplishment, God, I want my, my, my church family here to be accomplished in you down there, would be our prayer, thank you, Lord.
for your goodness. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Most of all, oh God, we bow before you. In the name of Jesus, my Lord, I pray. Amen. going to pray for the offering and then uh, we'll, we'll receive it from you. And I'll have a little bit more to say about some of that in just a few minutes. Father, thank you for allowing us to give into your kingdom. Your kingdom lasts forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. Your words will never pass away. Your kingdom will never pass away. It is a kingdom without end, the word says. So it's a privilege to give into your kingdom. We ask for your blessing to be upon this, these tithes and offerings and gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Just very briefly, I want to um, I want to share just a little bit about um, my week. Last week, I left on uh, Thursday and uh, went over to Deland to Stetson University for our denomination's general conference. Now, general conference is a combination of times of worship and times of connecting with people you haven't seen in a long time in a couple of years. And, and also there are some business sessions. Well, the business sessions are just the unfortunate part of conference. I mean, they're an important part, but they're the unfortunate part. Uh, but we had some great times of worship and uh, I, got to, uh, I got to see some people that we talk about every week. And uh, Tim, if you, uh, if you can put that up there, um, either one of them. Um, Chris Garris was in, as a matter of fact, on Tuesday and Wednesday, 
they had what they called a global, uh, global workers retreat. They brought missionaries in from all over the world for a two-day retreat. And Chris was there along with Silk. Um, I got to meet Silk. Uh, she's, um, she's a sweet girl. Um, had a chance to talk to them for a little bit. Chris is going to be with us on December the 10th to, uh, to share with us a little bit more about the, the ministry that they, uh, she has there with the Assam people in Thailand. And uh, you'll get a chance to meet her. And um, uh, there are some incredible things that are happening over there with her and with, uh, with their team. And then uh, the next picture is... That is Todd and Shelly Marks. And uh, Todd's the, t the tall one. Um, and uh, they, are, uh, they came home from the Middle East, and um, they are going to be home for about nine months. Uh, they're doing some, uh, they may be doing some itinerary, itinerary work, and uh, we've asked them that if they do put an itinerary together that they would come down here and uh, give us a Sunday where they can share about their ministry. Um, uh, Todd is a, believe it or not, he is a stand-up comedian. And he has his own television show over there. And that is his connection to, um, uh, it's, 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 really, it's really crazy. He's a, he is a funny guy. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, as I, I texted Gino after I talked to them there, and, and Shelly's having some health problems that are affecting her, and, and it's mostly thyroid, but it's affecting her emotionally and everything else. So we want to continue to pray that they'll be able to correct that. But they also had a video that shows a little bit about their ministry, and for, it's just a, a couple minutes long. I'd like you to see it because it, it's, it's, um, it's something Todd put together. Of the many struggles a young child experiences, one temptation rivals them all. Monthly, bi-weekly if you were lucky, mom would concoct a devilish blend of mouth-watering pleasure and place it on the kitchen counter in full view. We're talking cookie dough here. And like Honey to Pooh Bear, this mound of celestial delight was an all-consuming desire. The rub lied in the forbidden nature of the delightful Toll House fruit. For as many of us were warned, cookie dough cannot be eaten because of salmonella. Threats of amoebic dysentery, weeks of untold intestinal trauma, and perhaps the most fear of them all, mama's wooden spoon, were enough to keep us from reaching our grubby paws into that pot of honey. Now imagine the horror that when in 2015 I discovered that cookie dough is harmless. Yes, that's right. Contracting salmonella is nothing but an old wives' tale. Yes, that's right. Nothing but an old wives' tale. 
a scam, a collective lie from our family and community to prevent us from embracing something so sweet, so amazing, it can only be described as divine. Oh, the years of joy lost. Zoom out from the fiasco and kitchen and cast your eyes on the Middle East. This collection of 22 countries is rich with history, tradition, and religion. Now look closer, for there in the small town of Bethlehem, our Heavenly Father began His greatest action of redemption by incarnating and ultimately sacrificing His living Word for our adoption into His heavenly kingdom. Right there in the middle of the Middle East is the beautiful gift of grace, in plain sight. Yet somehow the over 100 million who live there are blinded by a lie passed down to them by tradition and even governments that this Jesus, the one who died and rose, the one who is God incarnate, is not to be touched. In fact, the sweetness of the true Christ has been declared toxic. For hundreds of years, Muslims in this region have been told that saving faith in him is deadly and a sure ticket to hell. Entire cities, schools, and countries are all steeped in this deception. In fact, the persecution of the few who have discovered the truth is at an all-time high. In 2007, God placed this injustice on our hearts. Since then, we have lived, worked, and raised a family in the region with the purpose of tearing down this lie and trying to crack the window just enough so that those who are hungry can catch the aroma of Christ. Our focus has been on individual relationships and large-scale media. God has given me an online presence with hundreds of thousands reading and interacting with ideas that seek to destroy the lies about the Bible and Christ. And by His grace, my television presence reaches over 3 million each Ramadan, which leads to many relationships that we can invest in unveiling truth. My wife has become the Muslim woman whisperer as she serves as a type of spiritual counselor guiding women through listening prayer and exploring the Bible. After praying for one woman's mother and seeing her healing from cancer, this lady has fallen head over heels for Christ, to the point she is writing her own songs about his beauty. We work with a larger team with the vision of breaking down the illusion that faith in a resurrected Lord is the forbidden fruit. By his grace, we are seeing Muslims defy the lie and fall in love with grace. There are now many walking in freedom seeing God answer prayers, and shining their new selves in the heart of their dark communities. Take Nelson. He lived his whole childhood being told anyone without the title Muslim was lost, and the Jesus they followed was not a savior, but merely a prophet. But through our prayers, miracles, and the word of God, Nelson has tasted the mercy through Christ, and now sees it as good. He's now married, they're pregnant, and they expect to raise a family on the foundation of Christ as their Lord, Savior, and purpose. Our goal is to see whole communities embrace the true narrative about Jesus. We pray and work towards households beaming with eternal truth and multiplying that brightness so that soon the whole region will see God's shining glory that has been in their midst for thousands of years. Glory to Him that we are seeing some brave ones defy the traditions and believe the way and truth in their own backyard. Praise Him that the generational lie that Christ is not the Son is being erased. Glory and praise that the sun is rising and the light is blasting through the darkness. Pray for those who are walking in truth here in the Middle East and pray for us as we daily try to pull back the curtain to show that He is indeed good. Pray that all would say, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 
If I could go back in time, I'd tell that young child staring at the bulb to dig in. Shout with us now to all the nations. Taste and see that he is Lord. to thank you oh lord to thank you for letting me find you in my heart cause every day now i make a prayer i feel your presence and see the light so lord forgive me for my past life Cause now I've found you, I've seen the light Oh God Almighty, give me your mercy Bless me forever, for I am yours That will just give you a new perspective on how to pray for, uh, for them. Um, I will never forget the first time I met Todd. He was here at the church. And uh, he said, some may be asking why the Middle East? Why, why go to into that dangerous area? And he, I will never forget. He said, because those people deserve to hear about the resurrection. They deserve to hear about the resurrection. And that's what makes the difference. The Muslim people believe in Jesus. They really do. They believe he's a great prophet. As a matter of fact, in, in Muslim eschatology, that is, in, in their prophetic um, end times theology, they believe Jesus is coming back. They don't believe that he really died, and they certainly don't believe that he rose again, but they do believe that he is coming back. But when he comes back, he is going to, be, he is going to come back and he's going to tell everyone that Islam is the right way. You have been believing wrong all these years, and you need to turn to Islam. Now, let that fit its way into your understanding of the prophecies of the Bible. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for Chris and for, for Silk, for their ministry in Thailand. Thank you for Todd and Shelley for their ministry in the Middle East. Thank you, Father, for showing us what that means and how better we can pray for them. And we realize that the things that we hear on the news each day, they work to create hatred in our hearts. If we're not careful we will fall into the trap that Jesus said 
When the increase with, in wickedness comes, the love of most will grow cold. Lord, help us never to fall into that category. Help us to not hate anyone, even those that the, the world tells us we should hate. Because you said, love your enemies and do good to them that mistreat you. Thank you, Father, for calling us to a higher way and a better way. Now I pray that you will just open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I realize, I, I know what time it is, and I promise you that um, I won't go past 3.30. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we, talk, we, we talked about the very first part of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And the first part of of the 15th chapter was, was talking about what the gospel is. The gospel is that Jesus, was, that Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And that, and Paul talks about, I'm getting a tinny sound, guys, on the, and some feedback. Um, Paul talks about the fact that the resurrection is such a reality that if it isn't a reality, then Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. And if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we're all in trouble. As a matter of fact, he finishes out that section of, of, uh, of his teaching and he says this, if I, fight, if I fight wild beasts in Ephesus for, for merely human reasons, he said, then I'm just, I'm, I'm crazy he said, we may as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If that's all there is. Now, Paul wants to take us from that, that fatalistic idea of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, to the last verse of Scripture in chapter 15, which says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We go from the fatalistic approach, eat, drink, and be, and be merry for tomorrow we die, to don't let anything discourage you. Keep on working because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. How do we get there? I believe that the Lord is trying to help us Paul, excuse me, Paul through, is trying to help us to understand that the, that the concept of the resurrection changes things. It changes things. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we behave ourselves. It changes our attitudes. Now, two weeks ago, I told you we were going to answer two questions. We were going to answer a question about the, re the resurrection. Then we were going to also answer the question about because the Corinthians were asking these questions. There were those who didn't believe that there was such a thing as a resurrection. That was too much for them to grasp. And so in their disbelief, many would ask, well, 
if there is a resurrection, then what kind of a body are we going to have? What kind of a body are we going to have when we're resurrected? And so Paul begins an explanation of that. And the explanation of that is what brings us away from the fatalistic approach to the approach that says, man, I'm never going to get tired of working for God because I know what lies ahead. I'm never going to get tired of working for the Lord because I know what lies ahead. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it it can't produce any fruit. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. When 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 you plant corn, you don't plant an ear of corn, and then an ear of corn comes up. You plant a seed. And because God has put all the genetics into that seed, it produces stalk, and on that stalk it produces an ear of corn or a number of ears of corn. So what you sow is you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. But God gives it a body as He has determined, and to each kind of seed He gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differ from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. The body that's sown is perishable. We just, on Wednesday, we just laid Kathy's father to rest. But one of the, one of the great things as we, were, as we were standing there I could, I could say with confidence, casket was there. Bob's not in there. Oh, there's a, there's a, a, there's a body in there. And it, and it looks like Bob, but the part that's Bob is gone. The body that is sown is perishable. The body goes into the ground. It is perishable. It will decay. That's what it's made of. From dust you are to dust you shall return. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. There is nothing honorable about death. The Bible says death is an enemy. Death is the result of of disobedience. It is the result of the fall. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And we have all 
reap the reward of that, and death is an enemy. It's something that we will all face. There is nothing honorable about death. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. That which was planted is not what what comes forth. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. We were talking the other day. I don't who I remember. I, was, I think I was talking with Michael and I was talking with Richard. We were talking about, we were standing out there in the hallway during VBS and we were talking about the absolute incredible power that the Holy Spirit exerted on Mary. How, how the Holy Spirit exerted His power on Mary that Mary, being a young girl and being of, well, she was going to be married. She was, she was at a point in her life where she could be married because she could have children. And the Spirit of the living God moved on her. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, fertilized one of her eggs. Just boom. In a supernatural invasion of her body. And Jesus began to grow. And he became a baby, and he was born, and he grew into a man. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man was from heaven. There was nothing earthly about him. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly... Listen to this. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. John writes and he says, Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And we get, <laughs> we get that picture of Jesus in Revelation. He's not, the, he's not the, the humble Jesus that when He comes back, He's coming back on a white horse and He's going to set things straight and He's going to rescue His people and they're going to go to heaven to be with Him and He's going to bring judgment on the earth 
and he is they're not going to nail him to a cross a second time he will be the victor and it says here we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hope in him, in him purifies himself even as he is pure it will change the way you live because one day you will be like him I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, we, the kingdom of God has come. Jesus said the kingdom of God is among you. But we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot go into the kingdom of God as flesh and blood. Your body and my body could not handle the glory that is, in, that is in heaven, in the heavenly kingdom. Paul, the Bible, Paul writes and he says he was taken up into the third heaven. And what he means by that, by the third heaven, is it's the heaven where God dwells. There is the, the, the sky, there is, there is outer space, and then there is the heaven where God lives. He said, I was taken up to the third heaven. He said, I saw things that I can't even begin to tell you about. I'm not permitted to tell you about them. It, they would be beyond your understanding. They were, they, I, I, just, I saw things that were, that were just unbelievable. That I would be allowed to see those things. And he said, and the Bible, the Bible says that, he, uh, that God sent him a messenger of Satan to buffet him so that he wouldn't, get, he wouldn't get heady about it. He wouldn't start to get proud about it. He wouldn't start to think, oh man, I must really be something in the kingdom of God if God was going to take me up to the third heaven. He said, I prayed three times for God to remove it, and, my, and God said, my grace is sufficient. So I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. I thought that's a great verse for the daycare. I'm just... Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That is, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 1 Thessalonians talks about the same thing. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so, shall we, so will we ever be with the Lord. There is going to be a miraculous change for those who do not die. Those who have died 
and have been buried and have been, as in, in Paul's words, have been planted or have been sown, they will rise in, with new bodies. But those of us who may be alive when Jesus comes again, we have to be changed too. And that change will take place at the last trumpet call and in the twinkling of an eye, we will change from being physical to being spiritual bodies so that we can inherit the kingdom of God. For the perishable must close itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That, when that takes place, when that moment comes, when the perishable is clothed with the imperishable, when the mortal is clothed with immortality, at that moment the truth will become known. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Because all of those who have been dead will rise again. Those who died in the Lord will rise again to, to be with the Lord. And those who have, have not died, they will not see death, but they will be changed. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Well, he says here, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. God made His law known to us. God said, these are the things that you, that you can and can't do. These are the things that are permissible. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have before you any graven image. You shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your parents. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. Those things you... Those are the things that, that a moral, holy God finds reprehensible. But yet, as people, we have done those things. He says the sting of death is sin. Sin is what makes death so horrible. The law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the wonderful, marvelous thing is, folks, is when we trust in Christ as our Savior and He washes our sins away. He covers our sins. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness the very sting of death is gone. Well, you don't look excited at all about that. 
Maybe you didn't hear me. When you trusted in Christ as your Savior and His blood cleansed you from all sin, the sting of death has been removed. There is no more sting for you. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? It's gone. The sting of death is gone. That which was going to cause you to be permanently at enmity with God and, and ensure your condemnation for all of eternity has been removed. Where? Now, do you, do you, understand, do you understand what, he, what he's saying here then? Is the next verse says, therefore, I, I, I tell you this all the time, when you see the word therefore, you have to go back and see what the therefore is there for. He just told you all of that. He talked about the, the sting of death being gone. Why did he do that? Because He wants you to know that you should stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There is what you are doing for the Lord you can keep on doing because the sting of death has been removed. You, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to think about You don't have to think about death. You don't have to think about death. It's like when Jesus in chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus is talking to His disciples in the Sermon on the Mount and He says to them this, why do you worry about what you're going to eat? Why do you worry about that? Your Heavenly Father feeds the birds. How much more important are you to, to, to him than they are? And he says, and why do you worry about what you're going to wear? He goes, Solomon in all his glory is not clothed as beautifully as the lilies of the are, and, and they're here today and gone tomorrow. He says, why do you worry about that? And, and he was doing that. He was trying to get the people to understand that when you worry about those things, when those things are foremost on your mind, then you cannot seek first the kingdom of God. Because you're seeking first to take care of these temporal problems. And Jesus says, get those out of your mind. And just seek my kingdom. And if you seek my kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. I'll take care of that. I want you to be I want you to be worry-free on those. I'll take care of feeding you. I'll take care of clothing you. I'll take care of all of that. It's what I do. You focus on seeking my kingdom. And that's what Paul's saying here. When the sting of death is taken away and you don't have to worry about that anymore, now you can focus on the work of the Lord. Now you can focus on doing what God has asked you to do. You can... You can go into the Middle East into a dangerous situation 
to follow what God is calling on your life to share the gospel with, with people in a dangerous place. And you can do that because you know that the sting of death has been removed and I can focus now on what the Lord... And if the Lord sees fit to take me in some way, I know that I'm going to go home and be with Him because the sting of death is gone. You see how that contrasts to, to, to not having that kind of faith to where let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. You see, that's why you can love your enemies. That's why you can love your enemies. That's why you can love your enemies. Because you know the sting of death is gone. And you can follow what Jesus taught because no matter what happens to you, He's in control. And if He lets it happen to you, you're home with Him. There's no sting in death. Not for the believer. Not for the believer. The resurrection, folks, the resurrection... Yes, the resurrection of Jesus was the first fruits. It's the one that started it all. It's the one that made the others possible. But the idea that the resurrection for us is a culmination of our salvation. It is the final part of our salvation. The resurrection. When we are with Him forever. Don't let anything move you. Don't let anything move you. Stand firm. Jesus said, he that stands firm to the end will be saved. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's something waiting on us that is worth everything we will ever go through in this life. Let's follow the teachings of Jesus. Father, thank You for our time together today been a full day we thank you for this past week of ministry to the to these children and for the children that have that heard the gospel for the first time and were willing to receive it we pray that that seed will grow in them and father it will change their lives we thank you father for the resurrection we thank you Father, that Your Word tells us that You did that with Your mighty power. Your mighty power was the same power that You used to raise Jesus from the dead. That took a lot of power to raise Him from the dead. But that's the power that dwells in us. We thank You for that, Father. We pray today that You will, as You freshen that in our minds, that we will leave this place with that power and nothing will move us, nothing will draw us to the side, nothing will discourage us, nothing will get in the way 
of us allowing You to demonstrate that power to those around us. So that they too will believe the Word. Lord, we've already, we've already prayed for Todd and Shelley. We've already prayed for Chris. And now we just want to pray for Love Serves. We want to pray for EE Prison Ministry. Continue to guide and direct uh, Brother Art as he's on this extended trip. He's in Oklahoma. We just pray, Lord, for your anointing and your blessings. <coughs> pray for the Transitional Center. Father, as we get we go there in, in a, a few more weeks. And we pray as we've already prayed, but we pray again for this for the mission trip that's coming up this Saturday, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be involved in that. And we just pray, Lord, more than anything else, that Jesus will be glorified. He will be exalted. And people will be turn, will turn their hearts to Him. For He is worthy of our worship and our praise. We pray for our daycare, Lord. We just ask that You would continue to bless it and use it to touch the lives of little ones. And now, Father, we just ask that You'll take us from this place. May the world see Jesus in us by our de the demonstration of what we believe and how we act. In His name we pray. Amen.